Hi, we're Phil and Jen, and this is season two of our podcast. And this season is called Setting the Bible Free. And uh, this is episode two. We're really excited about it. It's uh, something that we've been talking about quite a bit, actually. Um, a lot today over the last few days in the weekend, but uh, actually for quite a while we've talked about, um, we've just been talking about the Bible a lot. That's why we're excited to do this this podcast season. Uh, and this one's called Reality Versus Expectation. Um, and we're gonna, we're, we're doing the season different. Uh, so before we had it all like kind of at once, we dropped the whole season and we do, are doing these experiences out of it. But, but for the second season, we're dropping one each week here on Monday, and then we have this workshop that we're doing in Costa Mesa at Pitfire Pizza on Thursday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. And uh, what we're doing is like opening the conversation with the podcast each week on Monday and then um, really carrying that into the workshop and the experience. And so it's a four-week workshop every Thursday in Costa Mesa at Pitfire Pizza, and it's from 7 to 9 p.m., and uh, if you're listening and you're hearing this and um, it's resonating with you or um, you just want to jump in with us, I uh, would love for you to join us. Uh, you can check out the details on our website, philandjinwood.com. And, uh, yeah, and you can come to one or all of those as well. Yeah, you can jump in wherever you want. Yep. Um, there's also the experience in Oceanside this Saturday. Um, so whether you're in that North San Diego County region or if... Uh, you're missed it and you're in Orange County or wherever else, you can um, jump in and join us. That's going to be this Saturday night at the Rising Co. That's based on the first season of the podcast um, that we called Imagining That Which Does Not Yet Exist. And you can jump in on that and join us Saturday night as well. We'd love to see you there. Yep. All the info is on the site. That's called How to Reimagine Your Life. Yep. And then we also have our marriage retreat. Yeah. And which, um, just to note, we changed the date on that. That's going to be November 12th and 13th in Carlsbad. Of course, we're encouraging you to stay the entire weekend through the 14th. I, have it, fun and enjoy like each other. You have to stay for the weekend. <laughs> the idea, true. But, but the point of it was that's true. when we planned it was not to create a retreat that took up all your time in a room with us, right. but to create a retreat that was actually like an experience with your spouse right. uh, together over the course of the weekend. And the idea is to send you out Saturday night with your spouse like into the night and through the Sunday to like finish out the retreat experience together. Yeah. Um, so yes, we're going to say. So you don't need a retreat from your retreat, essentially. 12th, 13th, and 14th. Yep. Um, yeah, you can join us there. Info's on the site as well. Love to see you. But this one, so we're talking about reality versus expectation. And uh, we're talking about the Bible. Yeah, so we've been talking... I feel like it sounds so nerdy, but we've been talking so much about the Bible, the two of us, as we're wrestling through this stuff and thinking about the workshop and kind of what we're going to be talking about with the podcast. And we have been discussing how crazy it is, not only that people don't really read books anymore, but just that people really don't read the Bible. I mean, for the most part, right? And you were reading some some like statistics and facts on this. Yeah, and it 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 sounds even more nerdy <laughs> if you think about when we're reading statistic and facts about how people read the Bible. I mean, that's as deep nerd as you get. But like, it's actually been a part of our relationship from the beginning. 
because when I was going to seminary, when we first got married, I was constantly studying about history and the Bible and all these things and um, the languages and like the interpretations and studied the Greeks and the Hebrews and then blah, blah, blah. And I'd come home and just constantly talk about this. It's always been a part of our relationship. It took me so long to go to seminary. It took me nine years just slowly commuting. It was a, it was a quite a distance to the seminary I was going to at the time. Well, you were just taking like a couple classes. You did it part time, so it was we were working full a couple time. classes at a time while you were working. But it made like a like a decade long conversation for us. That is true, and <laughs> I think what's so funny about it is when I think back to when you first would come to me with what you were learning, because that's how our relationship has always worked. We always have to like wrestle through things together. Like you can't just learn something without. No. I think it's the teacher and you and the teacher and me. Well, especially but, something of that like magnitude yeah. that would shift how you view the world and yeah, faith which and reality. I'm so grateful that you've brought me along the journey with, especially with, I feel like I went to seminary. I mean, even just reading, you're like, you got to read this book. I feel like I read like half the books you read, which is so fun. But um, <laughs> I remember when you, you would come home and I would get mad. You, we got in a lot of fights about was the like, Bible. I had this thing figured out, I thought, in my head. Literally, I, I actually thought that. It's super clear. Like, I got this figured out. I think I understand what this whole thing's about. And you are blowing my world apart right no, now. I got the study Bible, and there's notes in the bottom, and it's super I clear. Mean, I mean, <laughs> There's tabs on the side that have it's the true. books on them. <laughs> oh, yeah. and it, It's the application it, Bible. But what do you think? That's so interesting, isn't it? When I think back about how it made me mad, but I think it's because it forced me to have, it really did blow my worldview open and I had to f- go, okay, what do I actually believe and really dig into some things? And but, Okay, that's a really good point. Yeah. These conversations mm. about something as significant as the Bible are so loaded with emotion. I know. And That's so true. Loaded with um, like anger, potential hurt, defensiveness, um, history, and 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 fe- I think fear. A lot of fear. Yeah. Or a lot of like, if you are a Christian who would base a lot of your belief system on the Bible, then like talking about that thing upon which is like the foundation of your belief system, like to have conversations about it to maybe look at it in different lights or ways it can mm. actually feel quite shaking to the foundation of your existence it's almost like an existential question that, that would cause you to to come at it with a greater like if, if you've ever been in a conversation with someone and they bring a whole lot more energy into the conversation than what you're talking about would actually like um uh i don't know what you're talking about necessitate- that never happens right, that right. never happens to me <laughs> If you're super pissed off talking about something that doesn't necessarily require you being pissed off, it's because you're drawing on some other deeper right, thing, right. obviously. It's triggering something. Right. It's it's like a, we weren't going to talk about that, but that that's something to recognize. This yeah, is so. A, yeah. The Bible is a conversation that, that can bring up great energy. Mm. And so even as we're talking about it and as we've talked about it over decades, as I've talked to people as a pastor over decades, mm. teaching from the Bible, I've had people literally wait for me in the parking lot of the church that yeah. I used to lead to fight me no joke over how I thought a passage in the Bible should be interpreted like not yeah. like I agree to disagree um like 
Like, I'm going to punch you in the face. I'm going to kick your ass <laughs> in this parking lot because of what you just said. Because yeah. you just threatened my entire like existential existence. Mm. And I need to defend God. And clearly the way to defend God is to kick your ass. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We yeah, so we didn't plan on going there, but so so if this draws up a lot of energy here, yeah, and I think I actually think it's really worth saying like if it draws up emotion in you, I think there's an invitation there, like to even go, oh, why why would this maybe be drawing up some sort of emotion to be listening to this or an engaging in a conversation around this? What what's going on inside of me, and what can I learn here? You know, well, and, and it could be even be the opposite. It could be like. I've seen people use the Bible to hurt me. Yeah. I've seen people use the Bible as a justification to attack yeah. me or my friends or people right. that I love. Um, I've seen it misused in all kinds of ways and I, I'm angry about it. Like I, I, I mm -hmm. can't even like be present to people that would look at it. Like it, it's interesting mm -hmm. the way it could trigger you in all kinds of ways. And I think it's worth acknowledging all of those things and saying it's it's that's okay wherever you're at. Yeah. So we started by saying that Bible literacy oh, is, right. is is that an all-time low? That's one big rabbit trail. <laughs> and that, but and then we were reading about how the sales, this is so fascinating, are at an all-time high. Yeah, so biblical literacy, like you're saying, is is incredibly low, as in um, people, a large number of people don't know what the Bible actually says. Like there's a bunch of interesting studies and surveys that are asking people like Bible questions. Um, mm. Like, like what about this story? Or like connecting different stories or bits or things like, like really common, famous Bible passages. And um, like as a society, we've become illiterate to the stories and, and to the narratives of what the Bible actually says. Um, just kind of lost in it. And then um, even like the self-reported like I read and engage the Bible. It's like mm. an, it's like 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 it's a it's a biblical um, illiteracy is okay. and, and and there's all kinds of projects that have arisen like the Bible Project and um, th there's been a bunch of movements within um, Christianity to try to restore an interest in yeah. in reading the Bible because of the the all time low of literacy and just um, I don't know if I'd call it interest in reading the Bible. I know a lot of people that want to read the Bible that just don't. Well, if they're buying the Bible, obviously, to me, that tells that there's some sort of actual interest in actually reading the thing. Like you're not just buying, hope, I, mean, I imagine people aren't just buying it to put it on the bookshelf, but it, where do you think the disconnect is there between the two? Because I think there is a disconnect. Well, okay, here's what's interesting. Bible literacy, biblical literacy is extremely low. Um and obviously some people, I feel and, like we should caveat that. And, like some people, of course, read the Bible. Yeah, yeah. There's there's like core groups within it. churches yeah. that are like the Bible study groups um, that, that read it all the time, that have their weekly Bible studies, that go through their, their guides and have Sunday school and, and that do that. But like that's like a remnant of people. It's a very small group of people when you look at like the population of America. Um, but like what's fascinating is uh, like reverence for the Bible, at least among um, Christians, like self-professing people who call themselves Christians, is actually quite high. And so like literacy of the Bible is low, but like a reverence for the Bible amongst like evangelicals or fundamentalists is like 
super high, which is like really weird if you think about it. Right. Like how could you have a a huge reverence for something but no actual knowledge of the thing or very, very, very little knowledge or like really like practice of reading it, right? Mm. It's but, but what's really fascinating is in the midst of that, Bible sales has been like booming over the last several decades. And so it's like... It's so interesting. People aren't reading it. They don't really know it. They have a high reverence for it and they're buying it. Um, in fact, uh, one like Bible, one publishing executive um, told one of the authors of these books that um, the average household has nine copies of the Bible and they buy a new Bible every year, which is really like fat. Like I, I counted um, yesterday how many Bibles we have in our house and, and we just cleared out. I mean, how, like a lot, 30, 40% of our books in our house. Yeah. Um, we have 21 Bibles right now. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, <laughs> Granted you, you know, no, but pastoring for 20 years will do that. You the boys each accumulate have one. them. Yeah. I have, I, I was just looking at them. I've, I have so many, I've got study Bibles. I've got reference Bibles. I've got the, the Jewish new Testament Bible. Mm-hmm. Cause you need it from a Jewish perspective as well. I've got, um, there's a while there, like about the message Bible. Jen's we, got her we, own we message. We used to have Bible. like a women's one. I got like, like a, a really fancy Bible that came from England from like a hand bindery. And, and we used to have those like student ones for the kids. I keep it in the box. I still have my student Bible from when I was a kid. I have my Bible when I was like a kid kid. Wait, can we go back to the one in the box? <laughs> is that the one that you pet that's the one that you pet right <laughs> i thought we were gonna talk about that <laughs> what, wait hold on what's that one made of just for everybody to hear it's it's a fine goat skin leather <laughs> it's leather on leather it's like an old world publishing in, in the uk <laughs> when that... phil was preaching from that one i used to like tease him to death because he would he would get like caught up in a moment and he would just start to like pet the bible because it, i think because it was so soft right <laughs> like you gotta stop petting your bible while you're talking i feel like you're mocking me no not at all i feel insulted by you right now so we had a lot of bibles we still do but we had even more before we cleared them out yeah the average household has nine and that's and, crazy which i think especially if no one's reading but, them but, i mean what but, are we doing i mean the, the book i was quoting that from is like 10 years old which means if the average household buys one per year then the average household actually would be like 19 then at that point, assuming no one got rid of any, because it would go up every year if everybody buys one a year, which is like a really, it's interesting how many Bibles we have, how booming Bible business is, um, and yet how low Bible literacy is. Like huge interest in buying Bibles, Mm -hmm. huge interest in stockpiling Bibles, Mm -hmm. low interest in reading the actual Bible, well, isn't this- or even like knowing what's in it, but like a high reverence, like it is a special holy thing that we need more of, but we don't actually know what's in it or really have a desire to read it. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. And, and what, what's really fascinating is the, um, the main publishers that sell Bibles. I mean, it's a huge business. Like it is like huge, huge, hundreds of millions plus which is a whole nother conversation it's like really interesting monsters business but like the biggest bible publishers um thomas nelson um zondervan who like kind of command most of the bible publishing market 
that are selling these things every year, um, they were bought out long time ago by larger media firms that, that aren't, they're not like Christian based. I mean, Zondervan was bought by Thomas Nelson, which is owned by the News Corporation, which is um, Rupert Murdoch's like media empire. And he sells the Satanic Bible through that. He which sells is, like so it's, the wow. Necromancer through, like, I mean, he's uninterested in like evangelizing through sales of the Bible. He's interested in, right. it's, just, it's just good business. Like Bible sales is excellent business, mm-hmm. which is like really fascinating. If, if you look at the whole, um, it's super fascinating to me. So where do you think the disconnect is between, that is fascinating, first of all, <laughs> that's fascinating, <laughs> but I'm still just, I'm like, I'm trying to get my head around the fact that people are buying like Bible after Bible, and then they're just sitting on shelves. So what is happening? Like, why are people buying them and then not reading them? Where do you think the disconnect well, is especially there? Especially not you just know? like one or two. Like, right, to have nine. And then, but like a society is doing this. It's a societal mm-hmm. thing. It's so it's interesting. It's like an American Christianity thing, yeah. which is... Um, and, we, and we know Americans like to buy things. I mean, so that's an obvious... <laughs> well, okay. The consumerism part, but like... Some of the arguments that I have seen and heard and read are um, a couple of things going on. One is, is just consumerism generally is like we're a very consumeristic culture. This is what we are. Like... We find identity and value and meaning in buying stuff. Yeah. And that's how we, and, and, but it's to the point of like, almost like a religion in itself buying things. I mean, the malls near us, um, they're oh. not malls. Mm. They're like beautiful architectural. Mm. They're like temples. They, they, they literally look like, like temples. Yes. It's mm. so fascinating when you go in, you're like, and I'm going to worship at the altar of whatever brand that, you know, it really feels that way. And, and, uh, going to make my offering and come back with like the sacrificed thing. Um, (laughs) but we, it's, it's like we shop for what we are. Hmm. If you want to be, I was, Oh, Jen and the boys and I were laughing about this this morning about surfing, Mm -hmm. like surf culture is a thing that's way beyond surfing. Yeah. I grew up in Texas. I was going to say, were you going to talk about Texas? Yeah. Surf culture was huge in Texas. Like in Houston, Texas. But people don't we're surf. We're not near the ocean. <laughs> well, it's the Gulf of Mexico. But how far were you surfing? I would go down to oh, the, to the here brown we go. water. I didn't surf. No. <laughs> There's a surf shop in Galveston where I, the closest beach by me. Um, but there wasn't waves. I remember we went one time and we tried and we were getting eaten by sea lice and it was super brown. <laughs> anyway. The, um, the waters are murky, but, um, and, and there's no waves, but people wore like endless surf gear, hmm. hats, clothes. I remember this one guy showed up to a, a thing one night. I actually saw a lot of people do this, like in a rash guard as if it was like a cool surf shirt. And at the time I'm like, like I knew enough to be Maybe like, it was. No, dude. You no, know, that's not. You don't even know what that is, right. but you're wearing it. But it's almost like you. Yeah. It's associating like it, it with was the a, thing. No, it was a rash guard. Like it was a, a sh- like a t-shirt with like a, a long sleeve, but fully unbuttoned dress shirt over it. So it was like, the, it was fascinating. Wow. And I'm like, that's an interesting look. But so like, I want to be a surfer, so I buy surf stuff mm-hmm. or I want to be outdoorsy. So I 
you know, I buy all those brands. Right. And I have the car and I have the stickers and I get the stickers from all the national parks, even if I've never been to them. Oh, I do like those stickers. I know. <laughs> I don't put them on my car, but I do like them. But you know, like you, you buy what you are. Hmm. You associate. Um, it's like, it's like a, a way to identify, right? Like self-identify but so it, to the but world. Like a, I mean, we, we used to talk about this when we led the church forever of like, like consumeristic mm-hmm. kind of faith and understanding. Yeah. Slap a fish uh, on the car. <laughs> <laughs> is like you, if you want, like it's the new year and I have a new. Oh, you go buy a new Bible. Yeah. New year, new Bible. Mm. Like it isn't that. I'm going to read the Bible through. How many times did we do that? in like week two, you're all. Mm. I'm going to start in Genesis. Leviticus. Leviticus is. You get bored. But you don't even need to open it. I just, if I go out and buy mm. a new one and I put it on my nightstand. It's I, like the intention. It's not even intention, <laughs> man. I did it. Like, I feel like I bought it. And so, <laughs> so I bad. am it. Like, there's a consumerism in which, and publishers know that. Mm. And so they sort of play into it. But there's also another side to it. I think and it's like, it's almost like expectation of what the thing is. Yeah. Which is really what we want to get into today. What do you mean by that? <laughs> no, this is the main point, right? Uh, um, <laughs> there is a point. We're getting we're getting towards something. It's all the point, baby. Hmm. Um. Well, the consumerism part, man. Yeah, but the expectation too is like a. Um, think about it. Why would everyone revere something? Buy a lot of it, mm. but then not read it and not know what it says. Like, it's yeah. almost like there's an expectation for what this thing's supposed to be mm. and how I'm supposed to read it and what it's supposed to give me. And then the reality of when I do open it, what it does give me and what it actually is. And there's like such a disconnect. Like it's not delivering. It's freaking frustrating. It's, I get frustrated when I start reading. There's no other book that I read through if I'm expecting like, this is going to be like, like, like that. This is the answer to all of life's questions. This is like, this is the rule book. This has all the answers. This is a textbook for what I'm supposed to believe and what I'm supposed to do. This is like word for word, literal truth of God, like breathed into this leather bound book with baby goat skin leather that not only (laughs) smells good, but feels good. So I protected in a box because it was ludicrously expensive to ship in from the UK. And then I open it and I'm like, <laughs> and then you're people all, from India. And then you read some line printing. in Leviticus about like, it's got red foil <laughs> around it. It's got three little ribbons. Still going. Still going. <laughs> and then I open it and I'm like, God, give me the answers. And I'm like, you're reading some ancient fight mm. between some guy that started this church and these people that want to take it a different direction. And you're like, what the? And then you just come away with way more questions than you did answers. What are you talking about? Or like Jesus, it's not real straightforward a lot. He just tells a lot of stories or a bunch of laws and and like narratives and poetry and like weird apocalypse and dragons. And like, like, it's like a, you enter into it and it's something else. Like there's, I I was, I almost said it. Like, I, I feel like. I get lost in my head reading the Bible more than most of the books. 
You know, some books completely. And and you've you went to school for this. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, most people like like right? a, a I mean, good spent... book like engrosses you, and you can't think of anything else. You just page turner. Like I've had those moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. Oh, oh, like you just, you mean you, you're, it's hard for you to focus reading it? So yeah. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, of course. Where you wander off and have to reread the paragraph 17 times. Right. And then you're like, what is this saying? What's, it's, it's like a, um, it's like an expectation gap. Yeah. I mean, one of, um, one of our friends, we posted about this season that we're doing. One of our friends wrote us a question on, on my Instagram page about it, which I thought was a great question, but she was saying like, Hey, why don't you address this? Why didn't God just make this thing like clear with one way to interpret it? Like if there's more than one way to interpret this thing and there's, and it's not super, it's not an easy read <laughs> and there's things like context and all of these things that we haven't but, even started talking about yet. But her question was even more specific. Yeah. You should read it. Which was? Do you still have it? I do. No, I don't. I'd have to pull it up. Why don't you look for it? Okay, I'll look for it. Are you going to address it while I... Well, I'm trying to remember what the question was. She asked something along the lines of... If this book is God's... Oh, God's answer. Yeah. God's book to us with the answers to heaven, with heaven and hell hanging in the balance. Such, yeah, such a good question. Hold on. Why didn't he make it super straightforward and easy to read? Right? Um, here's my problem is that for some reason my oh no, Instagram hasn't been working today. I don't know why. So that's why I can't pull it up. Yeah, she basically asked that question. So I got you. I'm going to look it up right now. I, I think it's worth asking. says five times server error. I don't even know what that means. So, so Monica, it was, it was our friend Monica. Monica, thanks for asking this question. It was, it was a good question. It was, I think one that a lot of people have asked, like why, if God, if God's God, she said that if God's God and God's like omniscient, like all knowing, why would this be the thing, our resource? if it's so difficult to figure out and understand, like why can't it just be more straightforward? Especially if Especially something as weighty as heaven and hell hangs in the balance. Yeah. Is the way she worded. Man, that is a that's a good question. It's a really good question, and um, I think it it fits right with like the expectation thing. Like, I mean, that's a question asked in light of very specific ideas and expectations of what it is and how it's supposed to be read. Mm. That seems to not line up with your experience of how you're actually reading it, right? Yeah. I mean, because someone else could come to it with very different expectations and read it and have different kind of questions about it. It seems like there's like a gap between the expectations of how it's supposed to read as well as the reality of perhaps what it is and what you're experiencing when you do read it. Yeah, I mean, that's the question itself is making a presumption that the Bible is some sort of like rule book and like thing that we can look to that is literal. Dropped out of heaven. Dropped out of heaven from the sky. Hit like absolutely perfectly historically correct in every way. I, inerrant. Like 
can we which means take without it error in any way in, in any anywhere way that it has nothing air in the original no paradoxes which do not exist um <laughs> and so if you were to take it would that be way perfect which is i think a hilarious statement personally that the original manuscripts that do not exist as in we don't have any access to them would be perfect it's it's, it's just a funny argument but um I think a lot of people don't like reading the Bible because it doesn't read the way their expectations tell them it should because they've been told it's something. Right. And because they've been told it should be a certain deliver. way. And then it doesn't deliver in that. And, and, and it's like... That and consumerism. So so you buy these Bibles. You you really come to them, hopefully, with like a genuine... I think a lot of people are genuine, like really wanting to get answers and like be directed and like connect with the divine. And then they open it and it's maybe doesn't give them that because they're... They're asking something of the Bible that it that it can't that it maybe it's time to set the thing free from what we're expecting from it. That'd be a good name for a season for a podcast. <laughs> I think there's a paralysis too that comes. Yeah. And and I think that it's a weird space. And I think there's some intimidation that comes, especially from like stronger leaders and pastors and kind of influencers in that space that are really wanting to defend the thing in a certain way. Um, I mean, I, I know in our experience, we've had pastors like take issues and ideas and then call it like a, a litmus test for how you read the Bible and what your expectations are. And if you don't align with the way we do, therefore you like we literally, if because of the way you feel hold this issue, we won't work with you and your church or people that work with you. Yeah, because you don't line up with how we understand and have expectations of the Bible and read, it. and that creates such an intimidation that for a lot of people they're like, "Hey, maybe we should just back off that a little <laughs> bit." And uh, Jesus is good, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Like God is love, because it's like a scary thing to engage when people yeah. are that intense and like exclusive over who's in and who's out and how do you. It, it suddenly becomes a very like in, the, there's an anxiety about what the Bible's supposed to be. And then what it actually appears to be in your experience of it, um, or or which PS can be a very painful experience if you're on the receiving end of that. Yeah, oh yeah, I when we went through that, it was like soul wrenching for sure. It was like, oh, this is not what I thought. But to the me, the fellowship of pastor brothers was going to be like, <laughs> or whatever they call it. Um, but it's like if every. I'm jumping ahead, but I'll just throw this one line out and I'll, I'm, I, I'm doing my pastoral thing where I want to like tie everything up into a bow right now and we're not going to do that. But yes, we cannot do this. <laughs> but if every biblical story was tied up in a neat bow and we understood everything perfectly, then is it even a spiritual text at all? Because I think the wrestle the the times that we actually like take a look at something and we wrestle with a text is I think a lot of times when we're actually transformed, Ooh. you know, like if there was only one way that this thing just dropped down from the sky and it told us exactly what to do, how are we going to be, how would we grow from that? How would our actual lives be transformed? How would, um, how would we actually end up embodying the thing? Like if, it's kind of, I think like, almost like with parenting, like how with the kids, I think we can tell them stuff all day long, but they almost have to experience it, mm. you know, for themselves. And yeah. 
And how much more valuable is that? Or even for them to see it lived out, you know? But yeah, it, I, well, I don't know. I, I love how you're saying that because you're making even a bigger point that like what we're talking about in this conversation isn't like a, um, mm. the Bible's bad. No. Or people are, why aren't people reading it? Or, or Oh yeah, we're not. Or like people shouldn't be reading it, but we're not doing any of that. Um, mm. We actually hold it in. I have 21 copies <laughs> and I have a special one I keep. Are you in bragging? Box. Oh, I am. Um, <laughs> like the, we have a great, um, we love the scripture and um, there's profound depth in it. And uh, and we're also not hating on people who aren't reading it just because no. we're saying people don't read it, whatever. No, and there's a lot of seasons that um, people just need space from it or are figuring it out or or don't like the, maybe their expectations were different and, and, and maybe there's like new learning. But like, I mean, what's fascinating even though is like... Wait, you were saying you liked what I said because? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love... Um, the drive in the conversation over this whole month is out of a deep love for the thing and like the deep like spirit of it all um that's that's beautiful to me and also um exciting because i the idea of setting the bible free is is mm -hmm. like to find like the wings that the thing actually has and to set ourselves free to mm -hmm. actually not so so like the Bible gets created like an icon, like a cultural icon that mm -hmm. we hold up and we're like, look at it. It's like that picture that we talked about last week of Trump standing in front of a boarded up church, tear gassing people, holding a Bible up is in some weird icon where you're like, everything you're doing is the greatest irony of all time. Holding a book that is a critique of empire to defend the empire, a book that's about nonviolence for the healing of the world while tear gassing peaceful protesters who are protesting for nonviolence. I right. think the whole thing is so ironic. Much. It's just like a cultural icon rather than saying it's a cultural icon. We're like, man, there's like actually, um, like there's a, there's a power mm -hmm. in the spirit yeah. of these scriptures and what they are and what they're doing in the world and what they're doing in us that perhaps we've missed in this last whatever long season of it becoming something else. And that's actually like that weird anxiety about what the Bible's supposed to be. And then our experience of what it appears to be and the disconnect. And then the, it like actually drives more consumerism to it. And I think publishers mm -hmm. capitalize on that. And so now there's this whole movement of Bibles that get released every year that they call like biblical value Bibles. And they just add like all kinds of stuff. And the irony of what they're finding is people like like the green Bible or the whatever Bible or the like people are reading all the extra stuff and it's almost like they can't figure out what it means. So they're looking for Bibles that have a bunch of other information that tell you what it means rather than actually reading the thing itself. And it's this funny, like endless kind of cycle of, of um, getting further and further and further away from the heart of what the thing is. And there's this gap between like reality and, and expectation mm -hmm. and, uh, what we're expecting of the thing and then people's actual experience of it. Yeah. And then what kind of world and life does that create? Yeah. What kind of readings and people and community and transformation, like you say, like a real spiritual text is about deep, profound transformation and healing in ourselves and in the world. But a lot of what we've talked about seeing in the world, especially from Christian culture in the last whatever season is 
doesn't seem to reflect that. No. And so, um, not at all. I think it makes me ask the question, well, what, what is it mm. really if there's a gap and then what should we, or could we, or do we expect of it? Are we putting too much on it that ironically makes us not even look at it? <laughs> Are we asking it to be mm. something that it was never meant to be? Mm. Like what, what is it? Where did it come from? And what does it mean? for actual reality and expectation kind of alignment. And mm -hmm. that is what we're going to um, really dig deep into Thursday at our workshop of how yep. to set the Bible free in uh, Costa Mesa here. And uh, we're going to talk about where it came from and, and what it is and what expectations that we can put on this um, collection of books that is reality and not something else. I'm wanting so badly to tie this up in a bow and I'm everything in me is like wanting to just anyway, do my thing, my, my normal pastoral thing, but I'm not going to right now. We are going to continue this conversation also through the podcast. Yeah. We're going to pick it up next week. And I know for me, this just raises more questions. Like I have so many thoughts right now and questions and I want to keep discussing, um, which is interesting because when we first talked about talking about this, I'm like, oh. This kind of sounds like boring. Like, Ironically, just like we as a culture I mean? hold the Bible generally. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds boring. But it's not. It's so interesting once you start talking about it. Um, so we're going to talk about this more through the podcast, through the workshop. We'd love to invite you to that. Yeah, join us Thursday night. For now, I'll leave it here. We can free it from being something that it's not. Mm. We can. And then in turn, I think it actually is going to free us in a whole new way, in a whole new way to actually learn how to embody the messages that are there and the thing that it, that it, that it is in a whole fresh way. I'm excited about it. So thanks yeah. so much. It's so, I love that, babe. It's just, an, <laughs> it's like invitation to more and more freedom and more and more life and more and more reality. It's good. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out our website, philandjenwood.com, to register for upcoming experiences and to see what else is going on. And if you enjoyed this, feel free to subscribe. You can even leave a review. Keep going. See you next time.